Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Let me give you a warm welcome. If you're joining us, visiting, whether you're visiting in person or online, welcome. Uh, great to have you with us in church. Um, it's quite strange to have church online as well, isn't it? It's just we've been doing this for so long, it's almost like second nature, but um, it still is very strange. Um, but great to be here in the building. Great that you're online with us as well. Hopefully you can just stay with us all the way through. And hopefully those who are in the building can stay all the way through as well. <laughs> um, but let's just pray as we come into his presence today. We're here to meet with God, uh, just to be in his presence and just to enjoy his presence today. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And we're going to praise him today. We're going to praise him through song. And uh, say that, and the band are going to lead us in that. But let's pray that we really experience his presence in our praise today. Father, we just thank you that we're here. We thank you for health and strength. Lord, we know that there are many who need uh, just a touch in their bodies from you. And, and Father, we will pray for some people very specifically in a while. But Father, those who can't be with us today who've given apologies, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen each one. Father, that you just minister into the bodies, your healing, strength and power. And Father, we, we all come today because we need you. Father, we know that we can't uh, do the things which you, you call us to do in our own. We, we can't do them in our own strength. But Lord, we thank you that it's not by our own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And Father, we are dependent on your spirit today. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and just presence yourself within our gathering, whether it's people who are online or and here in the building, Father, we pray that you'd come and presence yourself in such a tangible way today, we ask. Um, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you in our lives, and we ask that you come and that you'd empower us. And as we sing these songs uh, today, we, we, we recognize that some of these songs are prayers as well. And so, as, as well as praising you and ministering to you, Father, these songs are the prayers of our heart corporately this morning. So, Father, we pray, come and answer our prayers as well. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.
us today, how dependent we are on you. Father, we need you in every aspect of our lives. And Father, we ask that you would come and that you would indeed fill us in you. Father, fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Father, we ask that you would just move in our hearts. Father, that you would fill us and that you would empower us and equip us for all the things which you call us to. And Lord, we just ask that you would come and meet with us. Father, not just today, but Father, in this week that will come. Father, there are situations and circumstances which we will face. Lord, we will need you. And Father, we will need you to to just come and, and strengthen us and encourage us and support us and uphold us. Father, we just ask that you would help us. Lord, we don't know what a week brings. We stand here at the start of the week and we don't know what this week will bring. But Lord, we know one thing that we can depend entirely, totally on you. Father, we can trust in you. Father, we can put our faith and confidence totally in you. And Father, we know that our hope is in you. And so Father, we ask that you would just demonstrate your presence in our lives in in fresh ways, Father. We ask that we would see your Holy Spirit at work in us, moving in us and in the circumstances that we face. And so, Lord, we just we just confess our dependence on you today. And Lord, we, we ask that as we uh, continue in this service, Father, we ask that you would come and that you'd continue to speak to us, Lord, that we would continue to meet you. Father, just as we open up your word in just a little minute or two, Father, we just want to hear uh, what you want to say to us today. So, Father, we pray that you bring illumination into our hearts. Father, that you just give us understanding today. And, Lord, that you would really just speak into the situations that we are facing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would just speak and say the things that you want to say. Uh, So, Lord, we just give this time to you. And uh, we're just so dependent on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to everyone who has been serving, is serving, continuing to serve uh, throughout the service. It's just great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good to be in God's house. Um, just one or two things I want to share today before I pray. Um, sorry. Need to get a lead that's more flexible. <laughs> uh, that standing on that lead thing I just sorry it's a distraction for me and if it's distracting me it's going to distract you so apologies about that um yeah just some things that I wanted to share uh today I, I sent out an email um about Mark Hind I don't know if you've read that email um Mark was going to be with us on the 25th of this month he was going to come and share Mark works for Open Doors the uh, charity that really speaks up on behalf of the persecuted church. Mark is in a really bad way just now. He's in hospital. And his wife had been taken into hospital yesterday as well, um, uh, leaving their seven-year-old. So friends have been looking out for her. Um, But the situation is is not good. Let me just read um, a a message that I get sent this morning. Um, Sharon got home from hospital at five o'clock this morning. Uh, really weak and still being sick, but thankfully, uh, sorry, thankful to be home. Faith is uh, feeling a lot better now, uh, as you would understand. That's their daughter. Uh, Mark opened his eyes once yesterday, but since then has been unresponsive. His mum is coming up uh, today from Rotherham and will visit in the afternoon. Um, and so, 
just to go back to a previous message, um, Mark um, is he's in ICU and they are treating him for a brain infection um, as you know, the possible meningitis. So um, we're not sure that it is actually COVID related, um, but he's just in such a serious way. So we need to pray. Um, I really urge, I've been sending emails out to all my friends everywhere, uh, really getting them to pray into this situation because it's, it's such a shock. Um, so let's continue to pray uh, into that situation for Mark and Sharon. Um, a, a friend of ours, um, Bob Patterson, um, Bob and Terry, they've been at the church before, Bob uh, and Terry minister out in Lark Hall, um, Bob got taken into hospital yesterday um, with, uh, he, he had contracted COVID and his symptoms are pretty bad because he already had health issues uh, to start with, so he's been kind of battling some, some health issues. And uh, another girl who helps us uh, with the, the kids' work in AOG, um, Sammy from Hamilton, um, we've heard that her situation is pretty serious as well. Uh, so there's just so much has happened this week, um, as well as all the other things that have been going on. Um, and so I just want to spend a little bit of time praying uh, for these folks this morning. And let's just say amen to, to the prayer. Um, also, Dawn, who's part of our church here, um, her mum and dad passed away just recently. And so the funeral is tomorrow at West Lothian Crematorium at one o'clock. And, uh, and so we'll be conducting the funeral for, for both her mum and dad uh, tomorrow. So really, really challenging times um, uh, for so many people at the moment. Um, I don't know about you, uh, you know, we're part of the church. I'm going to think about this in just a little minute. We are part of the church, we're part of the body of Christ. And when one part suffers, we feel it. Um, and, you know, when stuff's going on in each other's lives, we, we feel it. And, and it's right that we feel it. Um, so, but, but we have this incredible privilege of prayer. And so we're going to pray in just uh, a second or two. Let's just bow our heads as we pray and as we remember these situations. Father, we just thought last week um, as we were going through the message how we can have this illusion of control, that we are in control of our lives. But Father, we realize that all of a sudden something can happen and we realize that we're not necessarily in control. But Father, we thank you that you are ultimately in control, that you are sovereign, that you have never changed. Father, that you're always with us. You've said you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And Father, we can stand as Christians on that truth, knowing that you are the one who is right there beside us, no matter what is happening in our lives. And Father, we just re remember Mark and Sharon and Faith this morning. And Father, we ask for this family that you would minister into that whole family situation. Father, we sung that song as a prayer this morning, Breathe Miracles. Father, you are the God of the impossible. You can do impossible things. And so, Father, we just pray into this situation for healing. And Father, we pray uh, that you just minister uh, through your spirit into, into Mark. Lord, we pray that he would recover from this. Lord, that he would begin to respond. And Father, that you just do a miracle in his body. Uh, for Sharon, Father, we, don't, we know that she is so tired at the moment. Father, uh, just worrying about Mark and, and up all night praying and then being in hospital herself. And, and Lord, we just ask that you would just minister into her body, into her mind, into her spirit. And Father, for that we girl, Lord, we just pray that you bring peace and comfort and just a sense of security into her life at this challenging and difficult time. Father, we remember Bob before you today as well. Uh, Lord, just in his situation, uh, Lord, we pray that you just minister into his body. Father, that you just bring breath into his lungs. 
And Father, that you just clear his, his lungs of infection. And Father, we just ask that he would be restored to full health and strength. Lord, he needs a miracle in his body. And so, Father, we just ask for a miracle. And for Sammy as well, Father, we just lift her before you. And we just ask again for a miracle in her life. Lord, I don't know all that's going on in her situation uh, because we've not heard the details. But Lord, we know that she needs you at this time. And so, Father, we just pray that you'd minister into her heart. And Father, we pray for the church at Hamilton there. Uh, Lord, we just pray your blessing on them today. We, we know that they will be really concerned about things that are happening in the lives of the people in their church. But Father, we pray, help them to know that we're standing together in all of this. And so, Father, we ask that you would just minister these healing miracles into these situations. Lord, so many other things that are going on that we pray about during the week. And Father, we just lift those things before you again today. Not going to pray for them and mention them in public. But Father, you know the things that are going on in people's lives. And Father, we know that we need your presence in every situation. And Father, some people are needing some miracles. And so, Lord, we just pray peace into their hearts. Father, we pray miracles over them. And Father, we remember Dawn as well and her family. And Lord, we know that this is such a challenging time for them as they approach uh, a difficult day tomorrow. And Lord, we just pray that you just be with them. Uh, and Father, we just pray for peace over them. And Father, we just pray that you would strengthen them and that you would draw them close to your heart. Father, we know that you love them and they know hopefully that we love them as well. And so Father, we just ask that you would just draw them close to yourself. May they be surrounded by your love at this time. And Lord, for us, Father, we're here today. And Lord, so many things are happening in our world. Lord, we think of the, the chaos that's happening throughout our world. And Lord, we, we just we come and we, we just say we're dependent on you today. Lord, we're dependent on you to move in our lives, to move in our world. And Lord, we just ask that your hand would be over us and that you would continue to minister to us. Father, we all need you. Lord, give us the strength that we need to do the things which we need to do today and in this week that will come. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you want to turn to Ephesians, it's probably a good idea. I'm just going to do the whole track and trace photo thing while you're doing that. Um, apologies, but something that we need to do. Um, and just remind you that we do meet on a Monday morning at 9.30 on Zoom uh, to pray and also on a Wednesday night at 7.30 uh, to pray. And today I just want to think about, uh, just briefly, well, let me introduce this. It's seven pictures of the church in Ephesians. Um, when you start to open up a book like Ephesians, you find that there's, it's so rich and there's so much in it. And I just want to briefly touch on seven pictures of the church in Ephesians. I want us to think just for a, a number of weeks about the church. What is the church? How should it function? What's it all about? How is it led? How is God working in his church? All these types of things. I just want to spend a little bit of time thinking about that over the next number of weeks. And I want to focus partly in, in the book of Ephesians over, uh, over the next few weeks, and we'll draw in scriptures from other uh, from other parts of the Bible as well. Ephesians is written by Paul, as you know. Um, Ephesians 1 to 3 talks about who we are in Christ. I think that term in Christ is used about 30, 34 times in this book. Um, and it's just such a, a wonderful revelation that we are in Christ. So chapters 1 to 3 deal with that. Chapters 4 to 6 talk about how we should conduct ourselves in Christ as Christians, how we should 
behave. Um, and that's, that's, that sometimes is the challenging bit. It's all good and well to know something, but it's di- a different story to put it into practice. And, uh, and so woven through this book of Ephesians, there, there are these seven pictures of the church. If you think about a diamond, a diamond has different facets. If you look at it from different angles, you see different things. And that's, I think, what the book of Ephesians is like. It's like a diamond where we see the church in all these different facets, seven different facets. And uh, there's a sense in which, in each of these seven facets, we could think for a long time and speak for a long time about each of these, but I'm just going to paint a very, very brief uh, picture of those things today. And so are you ready? Some people are ready to go. Good. (laughs) The first picture that I see in the book of Ephesians is that the church is a family. And you've probably picked this up from emails that I send out. It begins, hi, church family. Am I allowed to address the church as a family? Yes, I am, because the Bible refers to the church as a family. We all live within family units, and there's a sense in which the local church is a family unit. We are a family. And we can say that because we're adopted into God's family as his children. What does it say that it says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure, Ephesians 1.5. We are adopted into a family. When we become a Christian, something happens, the Holy Spirit comes into us, and that's one of the things that Paul talks about in his book, and that's the hallmark of a Christian. I have said that so many times. If you're wondering whether or not you're a Christian, have you invited the Holy Spirit into your life, and is he living in your life, and is there evidence that he is living in your life? If it's yes, yes, and yes, then you are a Christian. You're part of the church. You're adopted into God's family. And what we're talking about here is a legal position. It's a legal position. If you're adopted into a family, you're legally then part of that family. And that's what we're talking about here. The first picture is that we're part of a family. And Christ is our means of adoption. It's through his saving grace. One of the wonderful truths in Ephesians, and we find it in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, is that we're saved by grace, not something that we've earned, not something that we can be good enough for. And that for me is just wonderful because I don't know about you, I know that I'm not good enough. I know that I don't deserve, I, I know that I could never earn salvation, but God in His grace gives us salvation. He adopts us into His family. And let me read some verses just really, really quickly that highlight this through Ephesians. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're part of a family, Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians 4.1 says, then we are no longer infants. So we're born into God's family as infants, and then hopefully we should be growing up and maturing into mature Christians. Children, becoming sons and daughters of God in that sense, fellow heirs. Ephesians 5.1 says, following God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Ephesians 5.8, living as children of light. We're part of God's family, and Jesus, in a sense, is our big brother. And I don't know about you, I'm quite glad that he's my big brother. Do you ever remember those moments in the playground where you were having a wee bit of a spat with somebody and they would say, I'm going to get my big brother to sort you out. 
Now, my big brother's bigger than your big brother, and he's in the army. Did you ever have those conversations? Maybe it was just us boys that had those conversations. It's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, well. But Jesus is our big brother, and he, he is, in a sense, in the army. It's a spiritual army, and he's the head of it. The second picture that I see in Ephesians is that we're part of a new creation. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll begin from verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And this is his purpose, was that it was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body, reconciling both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. What he's talking about is we are now part of this family called the church, which consists of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. We are part of this family called the church. And God is making a new creation. It's not just about Jewish history, the Old Testament, with all its history and prophecies and laws and poetry and wisdom and all those things. God is doing a new thing, and He is showing us, and He has showed us, and He continues to show us that we're part of a new thing, a new creation, and we're reconciled in Christ through His body. Two things becoming one. The Bible talks elsewhere about us being grafted in. I, I bought some plants um, back, back um, a few months ago, and I realized only afterwards that one was grafted onto the other. So there's this little stem, and you can see where a new plant has been grafted into the old one, and they're growing together. The odd part is that the part that was grafted in isn't grown very well, and there's new growth grown up from the old shoot, which is really strange. But two things are joined together, and, and, and we're, we're linked with the believing Jews as well as part of God's family. And that's something that we need to, to grasp. The third thing is that we're part of a body. We each have a place in the body. The body exists throughout time and throughout every generation. We're part of something that's far bigger than just this local church family. And even the church family across the world at this point in time, we're linked with a church family that spans all the way back to the apostles and will extend all the way through to generations that we will never meet. We're part of something that's far bigger. And this is what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in, uh, sorry, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. We are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. I said that earlier. When one part of the body suffers, we're all feeling it. You know that in your own body. When something happens, you stub your toe, everything in your body gets, the whole attention gets focused on that big toe which you've just whacked off of something. And it's like that in the body of Christ as well. Something happens in the body and our attention goes to that person. Our, our prayers go to that person and, and we just want to give them love and support and attention and try and build them back up again. And so we're part of a body of which Jesus is the head. He is the command center of the church. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part 
does its work. I love that. As each part does its work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 says, there is one body and one spirit, and Jesus is the head. Chapter 4, verse 25 says that we are members of one body. Chapter 5, verse 23 says that Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And 5, verse 30 says, for we are members of his body. We're part of a body. And the church is never meant to be insular. The church is never meant to be independent. We're designed to be together, to be codependent, to need each other. And that's, that's the way it is. And Paul also talks about leadership in the, in the church. He says that Jesus is the head, but then it says that Jesus has appointed, if you go into Ephesians 4.11, certain people to lead in the church, and we'll talk about that next week. But bodies need fed, bodies need watered, bodies need to work, bodies need to rest. And it's the same with the church as well. We are a spiritual body. We need to feed on God's word. We need the water of the Holy Spirit. And we need to work. We need to find our place to work in the body. And, uh, but we also need to find our place to serve, to, to give of ourselves and our gifts and our talents. But we also need to rest. I've mentioned that a few times over the last number of months, the importance of rest and Sabbath. The fourth picture, and I'm firing on through all this, is that the church is a temple. And if you read the Old Testament and you you read about the instructions that were given to Moses for the tabernacle and how detailed and specific they were, you read about Solomon's temple, which he built, and it was absolutely majestic. And you then read about the second temple because Solomon's temple was destroyed. They went into exile. They came back from exile. They began to, under Ezra, build a new temple, which was ultimately destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. We we see these pictures of a temple, and when you read the descriptions of the temple, it's absolutely fascinating. It's incredible. Everything's lined with gold. And when this passage talks about the temple, let me read it. And I'll read from verse uh, 19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. How do we know that we're Christians? Because God lives in us by His Spirit. And let me just picture Solomon's temple. This is what it looks like. And what the writer Paul is referring to when he talks about the temple, he's referring to the Holy of holies. That's what this means. He's not just talking about the temple in its entirety. What he is referring to is that we, the church, are the holy of holies. This was the place where the priest could go once a year to offer up sacrifices for himself and then for the people uh, to make peace with God. It's the place where God would come and meet with the priest. And what Paul is saying is that we, the church, are the holy of of holies. We are the place where God lives by His Spirit. Do you remember what they used to do with the priest? Back in the Old Testament days in the tabernacle, 
he used to tie a rope round him so that if he dropped dead while he was in the Holy of Holies, they'd be able to pull him back out. <laughs> and then I think you've got that picture and then you've got us, the church. And I just wonder how challenged are we about the way that we live our lives? We are the temple of God. We are the Holy of Holies where God wants to live by His Spirit. And I just think to myself, what are we allowing God's Holy Spirit to be exposed to through our lives, through what comes in the various gates, the eye, the gate of the eye, what comes in there, what are we exposing the Holy Spirit to, through our ears, what are we exposing the Holy Spirit to, through our thoughts, the things that we're thinking, what are we exposing the Holy Spirit to, through the things that we say and the things that we do. And I don't know about you, I've said this before, I'm so glad that God knows me, but I'm so challenged by the fact that God knows me. We are the temple the dwelling place of God's Spirit on earth. We know that God's Spirit is everywhere, but He lives in the church. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That old temple, everything that you read about that points towards Jesus, who is the fulfillment. And it's a fascinating thing to study. And even in Paul's language here, he's saying that Jesus is the, the cornerstone of the temple. He is the chief corner. He is the one that it's all built upon, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We are His temple. We are His house. And I, I just find this fascinating. All these different pictures of the church, a family, a new creation, a body, a temple, and a mystery. There is a degree of mystery to the church. Yesterday, we had the privilege of marrying Tyree and Tommy, and two become one. And Paul talks about this mystery of two becoming one, and he quotes Genesis, he quotes Jesus, who talked about, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, the two shall become one flesh, and this is a mystery. But in this passage, he says, but I'm not talking about two people, I'm talking about Christ in the church, that this mystery where we become one with God. It's, it's just incredible. And there is something about this which was hidden for generations and generations. The prophets could see partly. It's like, I can almost see what this is going to look like, but I can't quite get it. And then it's revealed in Christ himself. And it says that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There are some things which for me still remain a mystery, things which I don't understand, things about the future which I go, what the heck does that mean? And if you've read Revelation, you go, what? And you look at Revelation and you compare it with Daniel and you think, how do you begin to understand the mystery of the, the, the things that are still to come, all these things that we read about? And it's a mystery. There's a degree of mystery in it. But we can trust God today, and we know that we are part of the fulfillment of what God wants to do in the world at this point in time. And I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, where it says that his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. God is demonstrating his wisdom through the church. I don't know about you, I, I find that mind-blowing. 
I'm like, could you not have chose somebody else? You know, if you're talking about revealing your wisdom, it's like, well, could you not have picked somebody a bit more wise? I can get it if he was talking about somebody like Daniel, who was wisdom personified, or even Solomon, who wrote all the Proverbs. But God has chosen through the church to make himself known. The manifold wisdom, this multifaceted wisdom of God has been made known to everything in the world through the church. And we, we are custodians of something that's incredible. We have such a, a privilege and we sometimes forget. My sixth penultimate picture, the church is a bride. And we read this again in Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27, talks about a bride to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, which is what we're reading today, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. John paints this picture as well in the Gospels, also in Revelation, where the church is described as a bride. Do you know what I would love to do today? I would love to get that camera and shine it on everybody's faces and put it up on the screen. And even the people who are online have your pictures coming up so that we could look at each other and go, you are the bride of Christ. What a thought, the bride of Christ. And having been at a wedding yesterday, I think, I think about this. There are so many things that happen in the church that you go, I don't think that should happen in church. I don't think the church should be characterized by division, by disunity, by disorder. I don't think we should be having a go at each other in the church. Yes, we need to make judgments. Yes, we need to exercise wisdom. There are spiritual gifts. There is leadership. But ultimately, who says when the bride is coming down the aisle, oh man, look at that dress. That's minging. Check her hair out. It's like, who? They, that makeup. Oh, what? Who would do that at a wedding? If you did that at a wedding, I was officiating it, I'd be saying, go and wait outside then. Because <laughs> if you're just going to moan about it, go somewhere else. Go to a different wedding. And yet sometimes it happens in the church where if we're pictured as a bride supposed to be holy and clean, why do we do that with each other? Why does it happen in the church? And, and it happens in the church. I'm a good age now. And I've been in the church since before I was like even out of the womb. I've been in church my whole life and I've seen so many things happen. And I go, I don't think that's how it should be. I, and I get it. I understand we're all different. And I think I said just the other week, sometimes it's not obvious what's right and wrong. And so we need to have a bit of come and go with each other, with each other. But, 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 but we're pictured as a bride and we need to function in the way that we're pictured. We need to be the church. Christ, at the end of the day, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is being prepared for a day in the future when we will be presented to the bridegroom. You know what it's like? I get a row for this on my wedding day. 
So I was standing up in the front with my best man, my younger brother, and we're standing waiting on the bride to come down the aisle, and I'm looking around to see her coming in. And I get around, it's like, face the front, face the front. <laughs> that was my mum. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to see the bride coming. <laughs> because it was a special day. And then I think to myself, what's going on in Jesus when he's looking at his church, the bride of Christ, which spans generations into the past, as I say, way back to the, the, the first disciples who told people about Jesus, and they accepted Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came into their life, and they told people about Jesus, and they accepted the Holy Spirit into their life, and then they, and all the way down to now, and we think we have a job to tell other people about Jesus so that they can invite Jesus into their life, so that the Holy Spirit can come in and live in them, and they can be the church for the next generation and carry on the truths that we read about in the Bible down through generations until there comes a day where the bride in its entirety, past, present, future, is presented to Jesus. And he will look down the aisle and he'll go, wow, it was worth it. It was worth it. And sometimes we forget how much Jesus has done for us. And when he has paid the ultimate price by dying on that cross so that we can have forgiveness for sins, he will look and he will say, it was worth it. It was worth it. The last picture of the church in Ephesians that I see is an army. We go into Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So it's not the bridal gown at this point in time. That's it. I say, now we're talking about something different. We're talking about putting on armor, which suggests that we are soldiers who are in a battle. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We have a spiritual enemy who is out to destroy the church, and we need to remember this. His purpose and intention is to destroy the church. But Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not prevail against it. He is building his church from the past generations to the present generation to those who will come. He is building his church. And he is calling us as an army to get on that armor and to be equipped for the challenges that will come. The reality is that we have a spiritual enemy who is an enemy of our souls who wants to see us being tripped up. He's the one who wants to get in amongst the family and sow little seeds, little thoughts of discord. He's the one who wants to get us all mucky before the big day. Oh, my dress is all... Well, I wouldn't wear a dress, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about the bride here. I'm talking figuratively speaking. It was like yesterday, there was uh, one of Tyree's wee brothers, and uh, he had a chocolate biscuit in his hand. <laughs> and he was sitting on Victoria's lap, and I'm like, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> and we don't want to get to that place, but the devil's trying to trip us up and get us into a mess. And so we see all these pictures of Christ, of the church in Ephesians, of which Christ is the head. Seven pictures, 
And I just wanted to summarize those seven pictures. You see, God has given us his Holy Spirit, and it's so that we can be that spotless bride of Christ, to make us new and to give us power, to be part of a family. To be part of a family is to belong. I don't know about you, I think that's so important that we belong. We belong here in this family called Whitburn Pentecostal Church, our local church family. We're a new creation, and so we're continually becoming what he wants us to be. You're part of a body, so in the body we grow. Bodies grow. And when you get to a certain age, they grow in the wrong direction, but that's another story. You're part of a temple where God lives by his spirit. And so we contain the spirit of God and we ask Holy Spirit, come and do new things and presence yourself in new ways and may there be a fresh revelation of your power and your presence in our lives. We invite the Holy Spirit in. You're part of a mystery that spans time and spans the generations, that was presenting a message to the world. You're the bride of Christ. And so we're prepared for the big day, all the planning, all the preparation, and then ultimately the execution of the big day. We are the bride of Christ, and we are, lastly, spiritual soldiers in a very real battle. And the news that we've heard this week reminds us that we're in a very real battle, folks. And these pictures all come together to make the bigger picture of what the church is. All these different facets, as you look at the diamond from different angles, you see all these different facets, different colors, and that's like the church. These are different facets of this one thing called the church, and we are part of the church. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to live in indifference. We are designed to be connected one to the other, to live together, and Christ is the glue that joins us together. Love that revelation when I was reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer that Christ is the glue that joins us together. Fantastic. Let's just pray as we draw things to a close today. And uh, Father, we just ask that you would help us to understand who we are in Christ. Father, to understand what the church is, to understand it in all its different facets. And Father, to grow in our understanding, to grow in our knowledge, to grow in our service, to grow in our love for each other. Because John said, ultimately, that's how people will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Father, we thank you for, the, for your love, which is poured into our hearts. And Lord, we ask that you would just pour that love out through us to other people. Father, those in the church, those in our community, the communities that we represent as a church, the communities that folks online represent as a church, far way further afield than Whitburn. But Lord, we just pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would help us to be what you intend us to be. Lord, we know that this is such a challenging time for us all. Father, as we navigate difficult times as families, as individuals, Father, also as a church, and Lord, we just need your wisdom to know how to navigate these difficult times. So we pray that you would give us what we need in these days that we're living in. But Father, we do pray that your church would continue to grow and be strengthened and become mature and be all that you intend for it to be. Father, help us to think about these seven pictures, maybe even this week as we read Ephesians, to see for ourselves these seven different facets of the church. And Lord, help us to be challenged about 
our part that we play in that. And just as I finish off today, maybe some people have never made a decision to invite Jesus into their heart. He's inviting you today to be part of what we're talking about, and He wants to come in through His Spirit and live in your life. And I'm just going to pray a prayer just as we finish off, and if you've never invited Jesus into your life, then today you can do that by praying this prayer after me. You can pray it within your your own heart quietly. You don't need to say it out loud, but you can do that as well. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on that cross for me. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your welcome, that you want to adopt me into your family. And I pray that you would do that. I ask that you forgive me, that you come into my heart, and that you adopt me into your family. Help me to find my place. Help me to belong. And help me to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and have a great week. So good to see everyone today. And uh, just stay safe during the week. And uh, if you can, join us on Monday or, or Wednesday for prayer as well. Okay, thank you.